So, I've been, I'm here today, Roger's away, and I've been asked to bring to you this subject of uh, this First Things First series that we're teaching on, and today we've got First Things First, we believe in worship. So, how many of you have worshipped God today? Pretty unanimous. How many of you worshipped God on Tuesday last week? Yeah. Some yes, some no, some not so sure. Maybe, and hopefully, throughout today, we'll work out if you did or you didn't. Um, we're talking, to the, obviously, under our banner of 2020 vision, seeing God more clearly. So, let's, let's just go for it. And because I've always wanted to do this, people always do it to me at that side. Look at someone next to you and say, we believe in worship. Thank you. I enjoyed that so much because I always feel really British and awkward when people say that to me. <laughs> so, what a great passage that was, uh, Psalm 100. I loved it and, and I chose it because it's great words, but there are so many passages we could have potentially chosen on the subject of worship this morning to introduce this subject. Um, and I'm sure you all have ones that you possibly would have chosen or thought, mm, yeah, that would be a good one, or so on and so forth. So uh, that's your homework. Think of, think of one that you would have put in there, okay? So, I enjoyed the worship brought by the worship group this morning. Um, obviously, that was worship music and praise. But of course, worship isn't limited to just being the, the, the musical sandwich of the preachy bit on a Sunday morning. <laughs> in fact, it should be more of an attitude that underpins all the things that we do. So, we believe in worship. Probably not a very controversial thing to say in church. But first things first, who is the object or what is the object of our worship? And I'll turn to Acts 17, and I'm being a little scripture heavy today, so bear with me. Uh, Paul then stood up in a meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription on it saying, To an unknown God. So you were ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And he goes on to give this description. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of the heaven and the earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everything life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him where he is not far for many of us. That's a pretty good description of the person we worship. The God who made us, the God who even gave us the very breath in our lungs. However, it does draw out a couple of points I think it's worth spending a few moments on. Paul says that he sees they are very religious in every way, and he puts this down to seeing an altar to the unknown God inscribed on it. Well, hopefully you know the God we worship, 
And if you don't know, if you're here as a visitor and you can because you were just curious to find out who is this God that they worship, well, fantastic. Glad you're here. Myself or somebody else would love to speak to you if you've got questions at the end. So do, do come and have a word. Um, but one thing I do hope that we don't do is worship religiously. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, a di- one dictionary put it, you do it very religiously because you feel you have to. But rather, your religion, your religion, your worship, hopefully, should be a spontaneous action flowing out from your relationship with God. So, how should we worship? We find a clue here from Jesus' words from John 4. Uh, Jesus is travelling through to Samaria and he meets a woman at the well. And in talking to her, he ultimately asks her if he can speak to her husband. She says, no, I don't have a husband. And and Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five and the guy you're with now is not your husband. Um, Thus revealing her adultery. Now the woman, probably feeling somewhat uncomfortable at this, does a switch and bait and turns the conversation. Oh yes, I see see you're a prophet. And then starts talking about matters of religion. She's successfully taken the pressure off herself. And then Jesus responds to her when they start talking about worship. Um, She says, our ancestors worked on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we should worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of the worshippers the Father seeks. So we can all go and have a cup of coffee, yeah? And we're going to worship in spirit and truth, all done. Well, I guess we should look at it a bit deeper. Um, I'm going to start with the second part of that, because we've kind of touched on it. The truth. The truth is the truth of whom we are worshipping. Jesus states this in verses 21-22, that... A time is coming when you will worship the Father. So we worship the Father. We worship God. There we have the object of our faith, the Father God. It's not football. It's not your job. It's not a box set on Netflix. (laughs) Um, It's not even maybe being busy in the church. Um, And that's something we need to be on guard of. I think the thing that can sometimes consume us can almost become the thing that we almost worship. And so it's something we need to be on our guard. And then Jesus goes on and he talks about the location. He talks about neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So if our location is not important, but the fact that we do worship God. The truth is that we can worship God anywhere and everywhere. As we live out each day, and we should. Now for us, that's a pretty good thing. Because let's face it, we're in Poundbury. And uh, I don't know about you, but if I wanted to worship God, I wouldn't want to have to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem all the time. I'd quite like to do it once in my life, but um, (laughs) if I had to do that every time, um, that would be rubbish. Let's face it, the cost of flights would soon mount up. Um, Or what about if we were limited to only worshipping God in this building? 
You could only worship God on a Sunday morning when you come to Dorchester Community Church. That would be rubbish. Thankfully, though, you don't have to do that. Your location is not important, and even more so than that, you are Dorchester Community Church. Therefore, if we believe at Dorchester Community Church in worship, that's you, wherever you are, wherever you're doing. And then back to the first part of what Jesus' words that we skipped. Jesus also said we must worship in spirit. A little drink, sorry. Dry as a bone. Thank you. Our spirit, that of ourselves, that is our mind, our will and emotions, that less tangible part of, of what makes a human being, those qualities must come into play. All of these brought into focus to love God. To worship God, to show our adoration towards the one who loved us first. It should be our natural response. The spirit of worship cannot be separated from the truth of whom we worship. That's why Jesus said it's spirit and truth. To separate them would lead to improper worship. I'll explain that as we go on. Worship is an expression of adoration that comes from the heart. An expression of devotion from yourself. It kind of costs you something. It's something from you to him. It's more than a clever phrase, and as the song says, it's more than a song. (laughs) It's not like uh, putting together a flat pack furniture where you take part A and part D and use clamp C and and screw A and you you can't follow it like that. It's not following a set pattern. It's doing something fully, fully engaged. Although, I would add, it was also possible to worship God despite your feelings. Um, I can, just from a personal experience, I would say I've done it myself when I felt in a rubbish place. Where to worship God, he's seen a million miles away. And you can turn around a situation just by accepting that he is God and then giving your all to him. I think he honours that. And I think when we put our focus on God and who he is, of course, it takes our focus off of us and our wallowing in whatever it is that we're uh, going through. You know, may it be it, you know, from something external or internal. Jesus says in Matthew 15, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are merely human rules. I think that phrase there kind of sums up what worshipping without the spirit could be. If you worship without that spirit, without everything engaged, then it just becomes cold. You're only left then with the letter of the law, no Genuine, sacrificial love can flow out from that place. True love is dynamic. Just following a pattern of worship is rigid. Our worship should be dynamic too. It should be from the heart. Again, more scripture. (laughs) Read in Matthew 22. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and he goes on to say and love your neighbour as yourself. Surely 
That is what worshipping God in spirit and truth looks like in an everyday kind of way. Fully engaged. To love and serve God before everything else. And to love others. Why? Because God does. We can look at this from another angle as well. Of this subject of worship. Where it says, uh, your will be done on earth as in heaven, in the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so, God's will. Well, I'm sure it's, God's will is pretty much anything that is good. (laughs) I'm sure, anything that is good and wholesome and for real. However, if we also look at what's happening in heaven, in in every instance we have, there is one main activity that's going on. And that is worship. If it's God's will that we, what goes on in heaven is happening on earth, then it has to be worship. And again, a bit more scripture. I'm going to read from Revelation 7, this glimpse of this heavenly scene. And it says, After I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and the Lamb of God. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. And then it goes on and it says towards the end of that passage, when he was asked who all these people were, he says, they were before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. I love the fact that the image of heaven there, you've got creatures and angels, and but anything that is alive is worshipping God. We're alive, we should be worshipping God. Um... And the other thing I love about that passage, and it'd be tempting to dwell on it, those last few lines, and he says, and he sits on the throne, will shelter them in his presence. Those phrases, those lines come up quite a few times throughout the Bible. The idea of entering into God's presence um, and him sheltering them and protecting them. When they seek God, he goes before them. He's always with them. And uh, it would be a temptation to go off on a major tangent there. But all I would say is, uh, instead of maybe us, me stand here talking about being in his presence (laughs) as a theoretical thing, I'm afraid it's more homework. Go home, worship God, close your doors, spend that quiet time. Get in his presence and do that worship thing. We read throughout the Bible that God is a jealous God and he wants us to seek him and to find him. He is not far from us, it says. So when we worship him, we are giving him our total devotion. We are giving him what he is due and he receives it. It keeps us close to him in a relationship. It is a real life living love story. It gives us 20-20 vision so that our actions are motivated for him. It trains our hearts so that when we worship, what comes out of us is God's best.
So, if all that is worship, what does that mean for you and me at Dorchester Community Church? If we are a church that believes in worshipping, what does that look like for us? We get a fantastic clue from Romans 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It also goes on throughout the passage, and he talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. He then goes on to talk about humble service in the body of Christ. He says, not to think ourselves more highly than others, that uh, we all have gifts and things that we can do in different functions, and uh, all these things that we should do cheerfully. And then it sex way straight into this, this passage of love in action, where we'll be, devote, be devoted to one another, to love and honour one another, to live in harmony with one another, and um, even to do good to those who don't do good to us. I think that is such a good picture, maybe, of what worship needs to look like for us. I don't think there's any accident that he talks about true and proper worship, then the gifts in action and love in action. I don't think you can separate them. I think that that, that attitude of, of love in action with a worshipful attitude is three sides of the same coin almost. Um, I think it's impossible to stand up to the difficulties in life without having that attitude. Which leads us to move on to this next bit. You see, if our true and proper worship is serving each other, both believers and non-believers alike, even to the fact, to the point of blessing our enemies, and then Jesus says in Matthew 25, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Well then, these two passages really open up what worship should look like for us. It becomes not just an activity we do reserved for Sunday mornings, but it becomes an attitude and a lifestyle that should underpin all of our actions, both in and out of the church. It becomes what we do in our workplace, what we do in our schools, our social groups, what we, when we go to the shops, even complaining at the customer service desk. <laughs> if we're treating people... With that, you know, if we're going to worship God by being good to his people, that means being respectful to them, even though they're the, uh, the person at the front line and you're annoyed because your toaster broke two weeks after you bought it. Um, it's Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have ten values that we hold to in this church, and you can find them in the membership area or the website. And if you look at them, you see the things that we do in Dorset Community Church are on that list. And I think it's safe to say that all those things that we stand for in this church can be carried out as an act of or motivated by your worship, by living a life surrendered to God, 
We all have our things that we are drawn to or gifted to and the things that we, uh, things that we can act out as, as an act of worship. Some of us uh, have different giftings, you know, musicians, obviously, it's probably the most f- familiar worship we do. And, and I'll be honest, it's something I love to worship. I love worship. But for some of you, yeah, you may be blessed and you, you worship with your finances. Others of you might, might be carers. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and uh, different things. Um, I worship won't look the same. All of us are individuals. So our worship won't necessarily look the same. You don't want to be looking at the person next to you as a guide to what your worship should look like. It's going to be different. We talked yesterday at uh, Cafe Church on this, this subject. Um, Lynn said something at Cafe Church where he quoted Sir Francis of Assisi, where he talks about, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And uh, Ian backed it up by saying that we are the only Bible some people will see. I like it when people quote books. All I ever say is I saw this video on YouTube. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Obviously well read. Um, but the point being, those statements are so true. They, you know, they really do underpin what our life will look like if we really are living a, a worship-filled life. Because it motivates our actions, it motivates our thinking, it will transform us and change us so that we live it out on the street when we're doing all these things. I think that is what it is to worship. And finally, worship is what we are created for. Colossians 1 says, he created all things through him and for him. We were made to be in a relationship with him. And that must include worship. And that's why we believe in worship. It's part of our core identity in Christ. And that's why we at Dorset Community Church believe in worship. Because our identity must be in him in everything that we do. That's it. Yeah. Don't know who's up. Yeah. <laughs>